Chapter six of the Channings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Channings by Ellen Wood. Chapter six. Lady Augusta York at home. If you don't put away that trash, Caroline, and go upstairs and practice, I'll make you go. Strewing the table in that manner. Look what a pickle the room is in. The words came from Lady Augusta York, a tall, dark woman with high cheekbones, and they were spoken at a height that might not have been deemed orthodox at court. Miss Caroline York, a young demoiselle, with a net that was more frequently off her head than on it, slipshod shoes and untidy stockings, had placed a quantity of mulberry leaves at the centre of the table and a silkworm on each leaf. She leisurely proceeded with her work, bringing forth more silkworms from her paper trays, paying not the least attention to her mother. Lady Augusta advanced, and treated her to a slight tap on the ear, her favourite mode of correcting her children. "'Now, Mamma, what's that for?' "'Do you hear me, you disobedient child? I will have this rubbish put away, I say. Goodness, Martha, don't bring anyone in here.' broke off lady augusta as a maid appeared showing in a visitor oh it is you william i don't mind you come in it was the reverend william york who entered he was not altogether a favourite of lady augusta's though only distantly related to her late husband yet he bore the name of york and when he came to helstonleigh for he was not a native of the place and became a candidate for a vacant minor canonry lady augusta's pride had taken fire the minor canons were looked upon by the exclusives of the cathedral as holding a very inferior position amidst the clergy, and she resented that one belonging to her should descend to set up his place amongst them. Mr. York shook hands with Lady Augusta, and then turned to look at the leaves and silkworms. "'Are you doing that for ornament, Caroline?' "'Ornament!' wrathfully cried Lady Augusta. "'She is doing it to waste time and to provoke me.' no i am not mamma denied miss caroline my poor silkworms never have anything but lettuce leaves todd brought these for me from the bishop's garden and i am looking at the silkworms enjoying the change todd is in hot water remarked mr yorke he was fighting with another boy as i came through the cloisters then he'll come home with his clothes torn as he did last time he fought exclaimed lady augusta in consternation I think no one ever had such a set of children as mine, she peevishly continued. The boys boisterous as so many wild animals, and the girls enough to drive one crazy, with their idle, disobedient ways. Look at this room, William. Encumbered from one end to the other, things thrown out of hand by Caroline and Fanny. As to lessons, they never open one. For three days I have never ceased telling Caroline to go and practice and she has not attempted to obey me. I shall go out of my mind with one thing or another. I know I shall. Nice dunces they'll grow up. Go and practice now, Caroline, said Mr. York. I will put your silkworms up for you. Caroline pouted. I hate practicing. He laid his hand gently upon her, gazing at her with his dark, pleasant eyes, reproachful now. But you do not hate obeying your mamma. You must never let it come to that, Caroline. 
She suffered him to lead her to the door, went docilely through the drawing-room, and sat down to the piano. Oh, for a little better training for those children! Mr. York began placing the silkworms in the trays, and Lady Augusta went on grumbling. It is a dreadful fate to be left a widow with a heap of unruly children who will not be controlled. I must find a governess for the girls, and then I shall be free from them for a few hours in the day. I thought I would try and save the money and teach them myself, but I might just as well attempt to teach so many little wild Indians. I am not fitted for teaching. It is beyond me. Don't you think you could hear of a governess, William? You go about so much. I have heard of one since I saw you yesterday, he replied. A young lady, whom you know, is anxious to take a situation, and I think she might suit you. Whom I know, cried Lady Augusta. Who is it? Miss Channing. Lady Augusta looked up in astonishment. Is she going out as a governess? That comes of losing this lawsuit. She has lost no time in the decision. When an unpalatable step has to be taken, the sooner it is set about, the less it will cost, remarked Mr. Yorke. Unpalatable? You may well say that. This will be the climax, will it not, William? Climax of what? Of all the unpleasantness that has attended your engagement with Miss Channing. I beg your pardon, Lady Augusta, was the interruption of Mr. Yorke. No unpleasantness whatever has attended my engagement with Miss Channing. I think so for I considered her beneath you, and therefore that it is nothing but unpleasant from beginning to end. The Channings are very well in their way, but they are not equal to the Yorks. You might make this a pretext for giving her up. Mr. York laughed. I think her all the more worthy of me. The only question that is apt to arise within me is whether I am worthy of her. As we shall never agree upon this point, Lady Augusta, it may not be worth while to discuss it. About the other thing, I believe she would make an admirable governess for Caroline and Fanny, if you could obtain her. Oh, I dare say she would do that. She is a lady, and has been well educated. Would she want a large salary? Forty guineas a year, to begin with. Lady Augusta interrupted him with a scream. I never could give half of it. I am sure I never could. What with housekeeping expenses, and milliner's bills, and visiting, and the boys everlastingly dragging money out of me i have scarcely anything to spare for education yet it is more essential than all the rest your income properly apportioned would afford another scream from lady augusta her son theodore todd familiarly burst into the room jacketless his hair entangled blood upon his face and his shirt-sleeves in shreds you rebellious wicked fright of a boy was the salutation of my lady when she could recover breath oh it's nothing mamma don't bother replied master todd waving her off i have been going into pierce senior and have polished him off with a jolly good licking he won't get me into a row again i'll bet what row did he get you into he's a nasty sneaking tattler and he took and told something to gaunt and gaunt put me up for punishment and i had a caning from old pie i vowed i'd pay pierce out for it and i have done it though he is a sight bigger than me. "'What was it about?' inquired Mr. York. "'The damaged surplice?' "'Damaged surplice be hanged,' politely retorted the young gentleman, who, in gaining the victory, appeared to have lost his temper. "'It was something concerning our lessons at the third desk, if you must know.' 
you might be civil todd said lady augusta look at your shirt who do you suppose is going to mend that it can go unmended responded master todd i wish it was the fashion to go without clothes they are always getting torn i wish it was heartily responded my lady that same evening in returning to her house from a visit constance channing encountered mr yorke he turned to walk with her to the door i intended to call this afternoon constance but was prevented from doing so he observed i have spoken to lady augusta well she's answered with a smile and a blush she will be very glad of you but the difficulty at first appeared to be about salary however i pointed out a few home truths and she admitted that if the girls were to be educated she supposed she must pay for it she will give you forty guineas a year but you are to call upon her and settle other details tomorrow if it should be convenient to you constance clasped her hands i am so pleased she exclaimed in a low tone so am i said mr yorke i would rather you went to lady augusta's than to a stranger's and do constance try and make those poor girls more what they ought to be that i shall try you may be sure william are you not coming in no said mr yorke who had held out his hand on reaching the door he was pretty constant in his evening visits to the channings but he had made an engagement for this one with a brother clergyman constance entered she looked in the study for her brothers but only arthur was there he was leaning his elbow upon the table in a thoughtful mood where are they all inquired constance tom and charles have gone to the cricket match i don't think hamish has come in why did you not go to cricket also i don't know said arthur i did not feel much inclination for cricket this evening you look depressed arthur but i have some good news for you constance said bending over him with a bright smile it is settled about my going out and i am to have forty guineas a year guess where it is too arthur threw his arm round constance and they stood together looking at the trailing honeysuckle just outside the window tell me darling it is to lady augusta's william has been talking to her and she would like to have me does it not seem lucky to find it so soon lucky constance oh well you know what i think arthur though i did say lucky returned constance i know it is god who is helping us very beautiful very touching was the simple trustfulness reposed in god by constance and arthur channing the good seed had been sown on good ground and was bringing forth its fruit i was deep in a reverie when you interrupted me constance arthur resumed something seems to whisper to me that this loss which we regard as a great misfortune may turn out for good in the end in the end it may have come for our good now said constance perhaps i wanted my pride lowered she laughed and this has come to do it and is dispatching me out a meek governess perhaps we all wanted it cried arthur meaningly there are other bad habits it may stop besides pride he was thinking of hamish and his propensity for spending forty guineas you are to have yes said constance arthur do you know a scheme that i have in my head i have been thinking of it all day what is it stay here is someone coming in it is hamish hamish entered with the account books under his arm preparatory to going over them with his father constance drew him to her hamish i have a plan in my head if we can only carry it out 
I am going to tell it you. One that will set the river on fire, cried Gay, laughing Hamish. If we, you and I and Arthur, can only manage to earn enough money, and if we can observe strict economy at home, who knows but we may send papa to the German baths yet? A cloud came over Hamish's face, and his smile faded. I don't see how that is to be done. But you have not heard of my good luck. I am going to Lady Augusta's, and am to have forty guineas a year. Now, if you and Arthur will help, it may be easy. Oh, Hamish, it would be worth any effort, any struggle. Think how it would be rewarded. Papa restored to health, to freedom from pain. A look of positive pain seated itself on Hamish's brow. Yes, he sighed, I wish it could be done. But you do not speak hopefully. Because, if I must tell you the truth, I do not feel hopefully. I fear we could not do it. At least until things are brighter. If we do our very best, we might receive great help, Hamish. What help? he asked. God's help, she whispered. Hamish smiled. He had not yet learnt what Constance had. Besides, Hamish was just then in a little trouble on his own account. He knew very well that his funds were wanted in another quarter. Constance, dear, do not look at me so wistfully. I will try with all my might and main to help my father, but I fear I cannot do anything yet. I mean to draw in my expenses, he went on laughing, to live like an old screw of a miser and never squander a halfpenny where a farthing will suffice. He took his books and went in to Mr. Channing. Constance began training the honeysuckle, her mind busy, and a verse of holy writ running through it. Commit thy way unto the Lord, and put thy trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Ay, she murmured, glancing upwards at the blue evening sky, our whole, whole trust in patient reliance, and whatsoever is best for us will be ours. Annabel stole up to Constance, and entwined her arms caressingly round her. Constance turned, and parted the child's hair upon her forehead, with a gentle hand. Am I to find a little rebel in you, Annabel? Will you not try and make things smooth for me? Oh, Constance, dear, was the whispered answer. It was only my fun last night when I said you should not take me for lessons in an evening. I will study all day by myself and get my lessons quite ready for you, so as to give you no trouble in the evening. Would you like to hear my music now? Constance bent to kiss her. No, dear child, there is no necessity for my taking you in an evening, until my days shall be occupied at Lady Augusta York's. End of chapter 6